Chapter 3 The morning of the student's departure from Hogwarts, Harry awoke to a letter on his bedside table. Harry, I am so sorry we did not get a chance to speak with you yesterday, but considering, I had to make myself scarce. If you can, meet Padfoot and I in my office after breakfast. R.J.L. Chew and swallow, Harry, Hermione chastised him as he scoffed down eggs and toast at breakfast. Finished, Harry slammed down his fork. I'll see you both before the train, he said to Ron and Hermione, rising so fast he almost tripped on the bench and ran out of the great hall. Breathing heavily from running, Harry knocked on the door to Professor Lupin's office. Come in, Professor Lupin's voice called from within. Harry stepped in eagerly, glancing about to see Professor Lupin standing over a battered suitcase on his desk. Waving his hand so items organized themselves in midair and went neatly into the suitcase. At his footsteps, Professor Lupin glanced up. He still looked peaky, but his face had some color and his eyes were bright and warm. He waved his wand in the direction of the door. Alarm jinx, he said with a wink. Padfoot had been sitting beside the desk, but within a moment, Sirius straightened and stood, smiling hugely at Harry. Harry noticed that his hair had been washed and combed, though it was still overgrown and he was wearing what must be Professor Lupin's muggle clothes, an old black jumper and jeans that hung a bit too loose. Hiya, Harry, Sirius said, his voice still croaked, but it was gentle and not urgent or anxious. He hurried forward and enveloped Harry in a hug. Hi, Sirius, Harry hugged him back. Getting ready for the trial? Sirius stepped back from him, keeping one hand on his shoulder. All sorted, got a proper lawyer and everything but you'll have to stay at Hogwarts until it's over? That's right, Sirius said, but then we'll pick you up straight away. Harry blinked. We? Remus and I, Sirius answered, turning to where Professor Lupin stood. Professor Lupin used his wand to close his fully packed suitcase with a click. All that remained on his desk now was an empty Grindylow tank. We'll be staying at my cottage in Wales, Professor Lupin said, watching Harry closely, until Sirius can arrange another place. It's not much, but it's very safe. Fully warded. Is that all right with you, Harry? Harry disguised his surprise at moving in also with his former professor and gave him an easy grin. Course. And Harry, Professor Lupin's eyes seemed to soften and warm so that they reminded Harry of chocolate. What you said in the Great Hall last night. I want you to know that it meant a great deal to me. Thank you. It was true, and everyone else agrees. Besides you... Saying that in front of everyone? That was the bravest thing I'd ever seen, Harry insisted. Beside him, Sirius moved forward and squeezed Professor Lupin's shoulder in what Harry assumed was brotherly affection. That's what I told him, Sirius said in a soft voice. It seemed so unlike Sirius from what Harry had briefly come to know of him that he blinked at his godfather again. There was a faint pink on Professor Lupin's cheeks as he squared his shoulders. I've enjoyed very much being your professor, Harry. Once out of Hogwarts, I will be happy to teach you anything you wish to know. Well, within reason, but I suppose you have your godfather for the rest, Professor Lupin said with a wry smile at Sirius. Sirius barked a laugh. Too right. But Harry was staring at Professor Lupin in confusion. Wait, so you're really not coming back next year then? Professor Lupin shook his head. What? Just because everyone knows you're a, a werewolf? Harry hurried. Doesn't mean you shouldn't. Professor Lupin shook his head again, but was smiling softly as he cut Harry off. I made the decision before my condition, er, slipped out. 
We need Remus out in the world, Sirius said with a proud look on his face. He's the best duelist I know, and of course we all know he's the best at defense against the dark arts. He's always been cleverer than your father and I, though we were loath to admit it. Book smart, Professor Lupin murmured under his breath, staring at Sirius again with a wry smile and something almost, was it secretive? Harry wondered, in his eyes. Hush now, Sirius waved a hand, playfully dismissive. The adults are talking. Harry couldn't help but laugh at that, and Sirius grinned wickedly, putting his hand back on Harry's shoulder and walking him towards the office door. Right, Harry. Us proper adults know you mustn't be late for your train, so we shan't keep you too long. Remus and I'll be in touch with you by owl, and we'll send word as soon as the trial's ended about coming to get you out of that bloody wretched house. Harry beamed up at him. Sure. Sirius gave him another tight hug at the doorway and a huge smile that overwhelmed his still very thin face before suddenly there was something like an exhale of breath and Padfoot sat wagging his tail by the threshold. Harry scratched the dog behind the ears and opened the door, turning to look back at Professor Lupin. I'll see you, Professor Lupin, he said, raising a hand. Professor Lupin smiled back at him, leaning with his hands on the desk. Please, Harry, he said gently. Call me Remus. As the door closed behind Harry and Remus waved an alarm jinx back into place, the black dog transformed back into a man. You are wonderful with him, Sirius, Remus said quietly, staring at the man who was walking towards him. You were like yourself again. Sirius was smiling, almost dreamily. Harry makes it easy. And you. Remus smiled back and picked up a suitcase in the empty Grindelow tank, staggering a bit with the weight. Sirius came to stand beside him, wrapping one arm around Remus's waist and taking the spare handle on the suitcase with the other, so they carried it together. Come, Mooney, you're knackered. Let's get some rest, eh? June 13th found Harry Potter's nose and glasses pressed uncomfortably against the window of his near-empty bedroom, clutching a small letter delivered earlier that morning tightly in one hand. Harry will be at Four Privet Drive mid-morning. Serious. The handwriting was a nearly illegible scrawl, but after magnifying spell on his glasses that Hermione had shown him, Harry had been able to make it out. It was really happening. He was leaving the Dursleys and moving in with his godfather. After a frenzied bit of last-minute packing that had consisted almost entirely of his toothbrush and his pajamas from the night before, Harry had not touched his trunk since he'd arrived at the Dursleys, and as a consequence was entirely packed and ready to go. Harry had barely moved from his perch at the window. He decided to write Ron and Hermione after arriving at Remus's cottage, since he'd have more to tell first of all. But also, if he sent Hedwig now, how would she know where to find him when she returned? Beside him, Hedwig hooted impatiently. I know, Harry sighed, fogging up the glass. I can't wait either. Do you reckon they'll be apparating or taking brooms or maybe? Just then, Harry heard the sound of a car engine, followed shortly by the sight of a Vauxhall Astra. Its white paint faded and rusting in places, parking itself directly in front of Four Privet Drive. Harry didn't wait to see the wizards get out of the car. He was grabbing his trunk in Hedwig's cage and bolting for the stairs. Watch that racket! Vernon Dorsley roared from the kitchen as Harry clambered down onto the ground floor, Hedwig hooting discontentedly with his jostling. Sorry, sorry, they're here, Harry stammered, right in the cage just as the doorbell rang. 
Blasted freaks, Harry heard Vernon say hotly under his breath as he lumbered into the hall and grabbed for the door handle, yanking the door open. Harry's face felt like it would split from smiling so hard. Harry Potter's godfather, Sirius Black, was leaning casually against the doorframe with his hands in his pockets with a smile to match Harry's. He was wearing black leather boots and jeans with a black leather jacket and a simple white t-shirt underneath. His hair was cut slightly shorter than when Harry had last seen him, and it looked even healthier, as black and glossy as the leather jacket. His face was looking healthier, too. His skin was alabaster, but filled out. His eyes were barely sunken now, and his facial features slightly less sharp. He seemed broader about the shoulders. Standing erect beside him was Harry's former defense against the dark arts professor, Remus Lupin. He was just as lean and skinny as he had been at Hogwarts, his brown hair just as streaked with gray, but his line and scarred face had color and his brown eyes shone like chocolate with their warmth. You must be the uncle, Sirius said casually, sticking out his hand to shake Vernon's, who, seeming to be in shock, didn't have the presence of mind to refuse. I'm Harry's godfather, Sirius Black, and this is Harry's other uncle, not blood, mind you, but nevertheless a more proper one, you could say. Remus Lupin. Remus extended his hand toward Vernon, now in less of a shock, stared down at the scars visible across Remus's knuckles and wrists, and growled under his breath distastefully, refusing to shake. Remus merely smiled politely at him and drew back his hand. We're here to bring Harry Potter home. Petunia and Vernon Dursley wanted the derelict Foxell Astra away from their house, and out of view of their neighbors, as fast as possible. So the departure took all of three minutes. Dudley was off being a menace, probably, so they were all safe from Petunia's hysterics if her Dudleykins had been present to see the no-good rebel-looking and no-good scarred-looking wizards. Vernon practically shoved Harry out of the door, huffing, good riddance, under his breath before slamming the door and audibly locking it. Sirius was still smiling from ear to ear as he gave Harry a hug and took his trunk from him, leading the way up the front garden to the parked car on the street. All right, Harry, he asked. Harry nodded eagerly. Yeah, are we really driving? Sirius opened the car's boot and settled the trunk in before opening one of the back doors for Harry to climb in with Hedwig's cage. Remus answered Harry as he got into the driver's seat. The car is a gift from Moody. Have you heard of him, Harry? He said, turning in his seat to look at Harry as Harry shook his head, clicking his seatbelt and then securing Hedwig. World-famous or he is, Sirius explained, now in the passenger seat, and also turned to look at Harry. Wizard police, basically, he said at Harry's slightly confused expression. The car is warded about as well as my cottage, Remus said, turning back to start the car's engine, which protested twice before igniting. It's quite sturdy, although it doesn't look it. I've never been on a proper road trip before, Harry said, almost bouncing in his seat. Sirius winked at him, a mischievous glint in his dark eyes. Ah, well, this here's a proper wizard road trip. We'll make the five-hour journey into a three with Remus and I's tricks. Remus steered the car around the bend of Privet Drive, and then they were off. A wizard road trip with two former marauders meant speeding without a sidelong glance from muggle cars and policemen, jumping past cars as if they simply weren't there, and a whole lot of 1970s British rock and punk music playing over the stereo. Thank Merlin someone convinced Remus to get a CD collection, Sirius told Harry excitedly. He's a stickler for vinyl, he is. Vinyl is how Bowie was meant to be listened to, 
Remus said as the final bars of changes faded from the stereo. Sirius, sitting sideways in his seat so he could easily look between Harry and Remus, flashed Remus a grin and patted his knee playfully. Bowie was a futurist. I'm sure he predicted CDs and whatever else comes next. Who was it, by the way? Who was what? Remus asked. Harry saw through the rearview mirror that he had raised an eyebrow. Who convinced you to get CDs? Sirius asked. It seemed a rather mundane question to Harry, but Sirius asked it like it really mattered. There was something almost, was it accusatory, in his voice? A former co-worker of mine, Remus answered lightly, at a brief job at a music shop about five years ago. Sirius seemed unsatisfied with this and opened his mouth to speak, but Remus beat him to it. Are you hungry, Harry? I thought we could stop for lunch soon. Harry realized that he was. Yeah, lunch sounds great. How about you check the map, Sirius? Find us a good spot, Remus asked, giving Sirius an easy smile. The next 15 minutes were spent with Harry and Sirius looking over the road map, considering cafes and diners littered along the route until they found one with a promising name, Scion Soups and Sandwiches, that was just up the road they were taking. Remus parked the car and Harry cracked a window for Hedwig before they hopped out and went into the cafe. Harry saw the hostess's eyes widen and cheeks turn red at the sight of Sirius. She barely managed a greeting before dazedly leading them to a booth in the back of the cafe, at Remus's request. And coincidentally, she only gave them one menu, which she handed to Sirius without blinking. Sirius didn't seem to notice. He handed the menu immediately to Remus, who sat beside him in the booth and questioned Harry eagerly about muggle food. Remus glanced over the menu quickly and handed it to Harry. Get whatever you want, Sirius told Harry. The waitress, it seemed, was just as taken with Sirius as the hostess. She came up to their booth with pupils over large in her bright blue eyes and had them determinately fixed on Harry's godfather as she said, All right there, what can I get for you today? Sirius just turned to Remus and the waitress was forced to follow his gaze. He'll have the pastrami sandwich and I'll have the tomato soup. Remus said politely before extending an arm instructively in Harry's direction. The waitress, even more reluctantly it seemed, turned to look at Harry. Uh, I'll have the pastrami too, Harry said, handing her back the menu. Harry was distracted by two things. First, what he was recognizing in the cafe staff for the first time in his young adolescent life, and second, by the fact that Sirius deferred his order to Remus. Harry knew they were best friends, of course, but still... He wouldn't trust Ron to know what to order for him at a wizard's cafe. But then, Sirius started asking Harry about Quidditch, and Harry's mind became fully occupied. Harry and Sirius talked about Quidditch for the rest of the meal, with Sirius turning to Remus excitedly with certain anecdotes, putting a hand on his knee or shoulder and asking him, Wasn't that right? Or, Remember the game when James did a flip over that Hufflepuff keeper? What was her name? Or, Slytherins always cheat. That should be their house motto, shouldn't it? Remus smiled serenely back and answered between tidy spoonfuls of a soup. That's right. Or, Vaughn McFadden was her name. Or, if it isn't their official motto, it certainly is their de facto one. Knows nothing about Quidditch, she says, Sirius would say with a wry smile. Or, sat with his nose in a book in the stands, but always had one eye and one ear on every practice or game, I tell you. Harry couldn't believe his luck that he'd have lunches like this every day. Quidditch and Sirius and Remus and stories about his parents for the rest of the summer.
After their lunch stop, the rest of the drive was largely through wide open countryside, with only occasional dwellings or towns along the way. The hills were green and gaining in height, with patches of forest and glimpses of silver lakes. Hedwig hooted excitedly in her cage at the sight of all the open sky. Here we are, Harry, Rima said as the car made a turn off the farm road and went directly into a cluster of trees. What? Harry started exclaiming confusion just as the trees seemed to evaporate around the car and instead they were on a dirt drive leading up to a two-story stone cottage at the foot of a hill. It was exactly like the magic that made platform nine and three quarters shielded from outside view. Remus stopped the car, and the three of them, plus Harry carrying Hedwig's cage, climbed out. Harry stared at the gray stone, the faded red paint on the wood shutters on the side of the windows, the small stream that meandered around the back of the cottage, the overgrown garden. With the trial and all, I'm afraid I hadn't much time to get the cottage in proper order. No one was minding it for me while I was at Hogwarts, Remus was saying, and Harry turned to him. It's brilliant, Harry insisted. It's really yours? Remus bowed his head slightly, his cheeks turning faint peach. It was my mother's. She left it to me. Come on, Harry, you've got to see her room, Sirius said, having taken Harry's trunk out of the boot and heading towards the front door. Your godfather was in charge of your bedroom, Remus said quietly beside Harry as they walked, his brown eyes twinkling. The front door opened into a living room, which had one worn but comfortable-looking sofa and two armchairs beside a fully stocked fireplace, and a whole wall that was just a bookshelf overflowing with books. Remus told Harry that the kitchen was in the back of the cottage, but Harry would get a proper tour once he'd seen his room and gotten settled. Sirius led them up the stairs and proudly swung open the door to Harry's room, which was on the right at the top. Harry's mouth fell open. He... Harry Potter had a four-poster bed, just like the one he slept in in Gryffindor Tower, complete with scarlet and gold drapes and bedspread. His firebolt was propped up against a large mahogany desk, which had a set of brand new quills and ink, and a bowl full of treats for Hedwig. The desk looked out over a huge rectangular window with a view of the green hill and forest beyond. The walls were painted scarlet with gold trim, but stood empty. Thought you'd like to hang your own posters and pictures and such. And if there's any ones you fancy, we can get them ordered straight away. Just say the word. Sirius said as he set down Harry's trunk in front of the matching mahogany wardrobe. Harry still stood in the center of the room, mouth agape. Slowly, he turned to look at his godfather, rubbing his watery eyes in embarrassment. It's... Harry started. Sirius, thank you. Sirius gave him a one-armed hug and ruffled his hair. Anything, Harry. Anything. Hedwig will be fine to stretch her wings, Remus said, stepping from the doorway toward where Harry had set the owl's cage. He went briskly to the window and opened it and the cage. The snowy owl hooted and gave Remus an affectionate rub with her feathered head before soaring out of the window. She can go beyond the wards, Remus said, watching the owl fade away into the distance. But I'll have to show you the boundaries. He turned back to look at Harry. There's still plenty of space for you to explore. And fly your firebolt. Sirius clapped Harry lightly on the shoulder. We'll just be down making tea. Come find us when you're sorted. And we'll show you the ropes, eh? Harry nodded, smiling enormously with eyes still wet, though he was fighting to make them dry. Oh, his face, Mooney, Sirius was saying in the kitchen as Remus flicked his wand. 
bringing the kettle to boil and reaching in the cupboard for two teacups. Remus turned to look at him. I know, he said softly, reaching to squeeze Sirius's hand.